Football is officially back, and we've got you covered right here on the Ringer NFL feed. I'm Shiel Kapadia, and every Tuesday and Friday, Ben Solak and I will be bringing you Extra Point Taken. Nora Princiati here to tell you that Steven Ruiz and I will be coming to you every Monday and Thursday. Our Monday show will recap everything from Sunday's games. Thursday's show will encompass any news during the week with an eye towards the next slate of games. Subscribe to the Ringer NFL show on Spotify or wherever you get your podcasts. Be sure to follow the Ringer NFL on Instagram, TikTok and Twitter at Ringer NFL. My Eagle enthusiasts, it's Fairway Rolling, presented by FanDuel. Major season is here, and you can get in on all the long drives, big putts, and major moments with FanDuel. Check out live PGA Tour bets like longest drive, round leaders, matchups, birdie or better, and more. Plus, track every shot in the app and watch select par three holes while you place your bets. Download the app today and bet with FanDuel, the official betting operator of the PGA Tour. Ringer is committed to responsible gaming. Please visit rg-help.com to learn more about the resources and helplines available and listen to the end of the episode for additional details. You must be 21 years old or older and present in select states. If you have a gambling problem, call 1-800-GAMBLER or visit rg-help.com. This episode is brought to you by Evernorth Health Services. Costs shouldn't get in the way of life-changing care, and Evernorth is doing everything in their power to make that possible. Behavioral health solutions that also keep your projections at their best. It's possible. Pharmacy benefits that'll benefit your bottom line. It's possible. Complex specialty care that cares about your ROI. It's possible because they're already doing it. All while saving businesses billions. That's wonder made possible. Learn more at evernorth.com slash wonder. Hello, friends, and welcome to this golf podcast, unlike any other. Yes, my friends, we have done it. 2024 is upon us, and this is Fairway Rollin! A golf podcast on the Ringer Podcast Network. I am your starter, Joe House, my birdie buddies, my eagle enthusiast, my par-saving pals. You can hear my own enthusiasm. Happy New Year to all of you. Happy Golf New Year. I am joined by my incomparable accomplice, my PGA Tour correspondent, boots on the ground. It's a new year for Nathan Hubbard. It's a two-ball for us to get out here and look at all of the angles that this season has in front of us. We're excited. It's positive vibes only. The pegs are in the ground. Let's get this thing cranking. Night Dog, Happy New Year, buddy. House. New Year. Same horrible me. What? What are you talking about? But what a great moment we have in front of us for the future of golf houses divided we have real actual pga tour events instead of hitting giggles in front of us we have new players coming up we have old players coming back i we got to find a way to psych ourselves up man we got punch in the balls by john rom in december well we were together for that punch. It was a double punch. We were there together. I, I was happy to have you alongside me for that traumatic moment. Really not that traumatic. And no, honestly, it's not. Come I've on. now made, made peace with it. We will get to the state of disunion uh, in, the, in the professional world of golf. But we're going to start off, Nate Dog, with positive vibes 
only because the I'm whole try. world, the whole world is in front of us. The whole golf world is in front of us. We are starting with a blank slate. That all by itself is a wonderful development in the world of professional golf. This very first tournament in Hawaii over the course of this weekend, full shaka mode is the first event on tour. So we're not looking backwards at you know uh the the fall event and who earned what points. We're starting fresh. It's a fresh start for everybody. It's the largest field in this century tournament, no longer called the Tournament of Champions because it has lots more than just champions. It's an elevated event right out of the box. We are firing and we've got a tremendous field uh with the exception of really only Rory McIlroy in terms of current tour participants. But we will get to our assessment of of the century. How are you feeling about the way that the schedule looks in front of us and how this thing is lining up? Well, it's kind of the same schedule, isn't it? It's going to be fascinating to see whether all of the modeling that the tour supposedly did around how the top 70 guys as designated at the end of the BMW championship last year, those are the guys who are all going to make these signature events. How will the churn actually work? Because in the modeling that they did, the board ratified a point system and schedule that suggested there would be about 40% of the players who are in that top 70 who would churn out over the course of the season. And that's going to mean that other guys obviously going to have to play well to, to work their way up into these events. Nobody's actually gone through this. And if I do say so myself, the tour's calculations overall have not exactly been stellar. They haven't the covered course. themselves. Haven't covered themselves in glory. You're well, right about the, that, Nate Dogg. The maths have not mathed as well as one might hope of late. So I am very interested to watch. This week for sure at the Century will be a lovely, blissful return to Maui after the horrible fires that have gone on there. There may be some very interesting karmic good vibes that come out of this tournament uh, based on some of the guys who chose to stay and it's it's the sight of that wonderful Patrick Cantlay, let's go get a fucking Mai Tai comment. Uh, so there's all sorts of love at this tournament. It's a little weird to not see people here. But as we look forward to the Sony Open in Hawaii, as, uh, uh, as we look to the Amex back stateside in Palm Springs, as we then go to Torrey for the Farmers, those are going to be the three events where, first of all, we will not see a lot of the big guys until probably Tory. But second of all, we're going to see how this qualification process, where the guys who uh, finish, you know, either the, the, the top 10 guys in the current FedEx and the five best guys in those three events leading up to the signature events qualify. We're going to see how all this math actually works. And I, I don't, it, it could be complete chaos. It could be complete fun. We don't know if the tour has actually just bifurcated into two different tours and ne'er the two shall really meet, or whether there is some genius to the madness house. Well, that that's right. And that I find kind of the most intriguing element of, of this, the way that this, the, the schedule is configured. You can think of uh, second tier events like the Sony, the American Express, and, and Tory. Tory's never really been considered a second tier event, but it's no. not a designated signature event. These are all now qualifying events. In a way, this is the ultimate meritocracy for guys that want to earn their way in. The guys in the top 70 and, and outside the top 70, there's still a pathway for a few slots to earn their way into the giant purse signature no-cut events, right? Yes. The thing that I get worried about is we have wonderful potential for stories to be told across those non-signature events. The tour has never been great at telling those stories of the guys who aren't the stars, A. And B, 
Just look at the FedEx Cup playoff situation and how the points move and how complicated a freaking system that is and how impossible it is to really track well, although I think CBS got better at the Wyndham this past year in how they did it. But it's just very difficult to track. So I just hope that between the broadcast partners and the tour itself, that it's thought through how to tell the stories to make this really intriguing. I mean, you know, where we're going to really see it come to a head house is at the Phoenix, uh, Waste Management Phoenix Open. Because that is in between Pebble Beach and the Genesis. It is that Super Bowl weekend. It is, you know, that that event that has always sort of, in, in these past, call it five-ish years, become as big as anything on tour. The fans will be there on site. It's not exactly clear to me if everybody's going to commit to that one uh, of the big name players. It seems like one that they would do, but maybe they're going to play Tory and then Pebble, which is a signature event, take the Super Bowl weekend off uh, in Phoenix and then come back to, to Genesis. Uh, unclear exactly, but that that's going to be the non-signature event that hopefully will have some bigger players in it, and and we'll see if the ratings hold up relative to what has happened in years past. So that that is, you just use the magical word, ratings, because the experience of the previous season, by all indications and measures, the tour arriving upon this mechanism by which to get most of the best guys playing most of the time, what we've now arrived upon here, there are uh, eight to ten signature events, depending on, on how you count the players and the playoffs and so forth. That those events got eyeballs, and the event that you just described that's now squeezed between Pebble, a signature event, and the Genesis Tigers tournament has occupied a unique spot in the American sporting consciousness because it is the lead into the Super Bowl. It is right. the only of like genuine sporting event. I people aren't, you know, hunting down the NBA on Sunday afternoon. But it's fun to watch the golf in Phoenix. Last year had the benefit of the Super Bowl being in the exact same place as the golf tournament taking place. So it was uh, a, a, a genuine uh, focus for all the celebrities. Everybody who wanted to be seen went to the golf tournament and then went to the, to the Super Bowl. Um, there's no reason, though, even though the Super Bowl is not in Phoenix, that, that this event couldn't also gather the eye. So this will be truly uh, a nice test, a referendum on the way that the tours configured the schedule. You said at the outset, it's it's basically the same schedule. That's true, but we will have, it seems, one participant over at least, I think, a couple of events, maybe more than a couple of events, who was not present to play golf, to compete in these events last year. And of course, I'm talking about Elder Tiger Woods. His holiness. Uh, it seems like if you look at a schedule and you take him at his word, he is physically able to play in uh, events on a kind of once a month basis. He said it. He looked pretty good in the events that we saw him play in December. Those are hit and giggle events. Um, but, you know, in terms of his physical shape, his upper body looked like um, he was ready to juice grapefruits between his biceps and his lower body. He actually kind of walked. Okay. Um, okay. It being the operative word. I mean, he's going to be, that's better than, than what it was before pain. Always. Yes. He's going to, you could see him going down the stairs or coming off the podium. It's, it's what we saw in a different way, obviously, but it's what we saw at the Masters this year, where the elevation is what's really brutal for him. When he's walking a flat Florida course carrying Charlie's bag, he can do that. It's the up and down where you just see he's always going to live with that in pain. So we'll we'll have to see as we look at the venues that the majors are, are, are being contended at uh, this year. But we for sure know he's going to play in his own tournament. Looks like great chance that he will play in March at the Players. The Masters is in April. The PGA Championship at Valhalla is in May. The U.S. Open is in June. The British Open, 
the Open Championship at Troon. They returned to Troon, wonderful site of so many famous British Open competitions hosting this year. Uh, and that leaves room for a couple of other signature events. If he wants to add his luster to the Arnold Palmer Invitational at Bay Hill, that's certainly an option. If he wants to post at the Memorial as a tune-up for the U.S. Open, that's certainly an option. But in view of this moment where there is not peace in the professional golf kingdom, Tiger Woods on television seems like a pretty important facet of the tour's strategy this upcoming year, Nate Dog. I'm glad we're going to get it. I think from a betting perspective, I want everybody to temper the shit out of their expectations, no matter what your heart says. It's like you going in on Alabama for crapping out loud. Don't get uh, too you, excited. You mean Alabama, who was up by a touchdown and had the ball with less than four minutes left? That team? That team. Uh, Saban. Saban stinks. All right, all right, all right. But I, I, I do think it's going to be great for the tour. And look, here's the thing. We, we, we don't need to talk about Rom just yet, but I look at this century field, and I miss Rom. I mean, I miss Rom. I want to see him play against Scotty Scheffler, who looked, speaking of Tiger's event, at Tiger's events, Scheffler looked like he maybe has figured out the putting. And it is the putting that kept him last season from winning after ripping off, you know, probably one of the most insane top five streaks we've seen from Byron Nelson to PGA to Charles Schwab to Memorial to U.S. Open to Travelers to Scottish Open. He had top fives in all of those, but no wins. He finished with the best non-Tiger Woods ball striking season ever, first in uh, approach first off the tee, but 160 freaking second in putting. So the question is, if he has now done the work, and man, that beard he's sporting this week in Maui looks like he's been working somewhere. It might be in a sound bath chamber or something, but it, it, he's it, it, if he's not shaving and working on his putting, we're in for... What could be, I'm just telling you, we've got one of the goats standing right there in plain sight if he can just get back to average with the putter. And if that's the case, with Rom gone, we could be about to witness one of the most epic seasons of golf ever. We just missed out on it by a fraction last year. And the fraction was probably a third, maybe half a stroke putting. If Scheffler gets better at that, he's going to win three, four tournaments, including the U.S. Open and probably the PGA. So. Well, those Will are the he tournaments. own his status? Will Those, he own his status? I, it's a wonderful question. It's an open question. I can tell you, we'll get to my betting strategy in a moment. But look, you just mentioned two of the tournaments that you think he absolutely positively could win, should win, might win. He's going to have to beat John Rahm and Cam Smith and Dustin Johnson. I mean, he's yes, going to he have is. to beat Brooks Kepka. Brooks who, Kepka, who beat gonna, him at the PGA last year. Have to beat all those big yeah. boys because all yeah. those big boys will be at those events. So we still have the big boy events and the true challenge in front of the tour with the way this schedule is set up with Tiger coming back is, you know, making sure that it has enough events where there's enough interest and enough guys to make this for casual golf fans, not yeah. a year where everybody just watches the majors because we yeah. want to see all the best Do you players. think that's the strategy is basically to use Tiger as a Band-Aid for this year? They work out the deal with the Saudis and Fenway Sports Group, which will allow cross-pollinization next season. And that in this weird sort of bastardized version of a golf season, they're just going to lean on Tiger to keep the ratings going until... The, there's more clarity around events. There's more peace in the realm, and it's less of a sort of distasteful turnoff. Um, it, it, this is a year of an election. There's going to be enough division in American discourse that you know more of it in golf clearly seems to be hurting the brand. It's it's absolutely positively. I was nodding my head so affirmatively, so violently. Uh, I did play golf yesterday. That's the only way to kick off the year. I was so happy to play golf on the 1st of January, 2024, but I was shaking my, I could feel, you know, I'm still a little sore from, from, uh, I didn't have enough swing oil 
But look, I think that is precisely, explicitly, the goal. The 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 the, and it's very attainable. And they don't need much more than six, seven months now to get a deal done. Do yeah. do they? I mean, let's no, let's no, 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 no. They, they they're they're almost done. They are unequivocally al- almost finished. I, look, my, my point on the chef, the Rom thing was I. I ain't watching live just because Ron went over. I miss him. No, nope. I ain't watching live. So the nope. question is, are we going to watch the PGA tour? Are they going to find a way to make it exciting enough? And that's where I think the tiger angle comes in. It, it, Scotty Scheffler could be going bonkers, but if you feel like there's field dilution as the casual golf fan, you're not going to watch and Tiger's going to be there to patch it up. And, and to answer your explicit point, they're going to have this done before the masters. Totally they, agree. They had parts of it done in December uh, as they as they were you know, getting deep into the negotiations with the field of private equity suitors. Uh, obviously, PIF got nervous about that and decide, the Saudis decided to take their big shot and make sure, sure as Sunday, that they were going to be at the table and a part of whatever the future of golf is. And And... Taking Rom away absolutely did that. Taking Rom away did not make their product more viable, I don't believe, in terms of ratings. And, and we saw data this week that suggested they made only two to three million dollars from the TV uh, portion of their product in the in the last year, which makes the the business of Live completely unviable. All that said, they're going to work this out. They're going to work it out before the Masters. We're going to have this weird stub period, I suspect that uh, they can't really, in good faith, change the competitive rules for 2024 and allow a bunch of live guys to come on and screw guys on the PGA Tour status. Maybe we'll see a few via sponsor exemptions, but I think it's going to be 25 when you start to see, not unification, but when you start to see more cross-pollinization that extends the best players in the world playing together beyond just four uh, majors a year. Yeah, so I have two things that I want to ask you. And um, in the context of the very well done comprehensive story by Dylan Deethy uh, for golf.com, um, basically sort of like laying the, out the, the landscape as to where things stand between the tour and, 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 and live, you know, the, the, the numbers in terms of viewership and TV ratings and all that, and the I- idea that there's there is no business. It's not a viable entertainment product. They didn't even really try that hard. If they were in, if they intended to to build a viable entertainment product, they would have started with people like me who wants to gamble on every single thing I can get my hands on. And if I thought that this new product with uh, with, with new markets and untested uh, opportunities, I would have jumped in with two feet. But they didn't build it that way because it. The whole point, the business, we've been saying it for years. You and I, I know, share this sentiment without uh, hesitation or reservation was this PR campaign that they have successfully achieved. Yeah. And we, they were on television on June the 6th to uh, Jay Monahan and, and his eminence uh, hugging each other and very close to French kissing. It didn't happen, but mission accomplished. And so, this thing with with Rom, congratulations to him for having whatever you want to say in terms of the foresight to recognize if I go catch this bag right now, I will be playing on tour again in 12 months, 15 months, 18 months. Like, why wouldn't I go catch this bag? Yeah, I don't I don't even think it's foresight. I think he held out for as long as he could have reasonably been expected to hold out. And then I think he looked at the tour and just said, hey. Uh, I put a lot of faith that there was good decision-making happening at the top, and it hasn't proven out to be that way. So now it is every man for himself. And I I agree with you, House, that I think if he did not believe that there would be opportunities for him to come back and play the guys more than four times a year, I'm not sure he would have done it. And I, I know that's sort of parsing words a little bit, but I think all of his comments... Uh, earlier about his, you know, fealty to the PGA Tour and how he, you know, there's nothing about the live product that's interesting for him. It it was hard to watch his live press conference and think anything other than, wow, hypocrisy strikes again. But I I also 
think he probably didn't want to say what was in his heart, which was, man, I just lost faith in the tour. And I lost faith in the people at the tour. And this has been a bit of a clusterfuck. And so, yeah, my opinion changed in the same way that Monaghan's opinion changed on June 6th when, you know, he he announced he, he went on CNBC. So I'm allowed to change my mind, too. And, and I, I think that's not a wholly inconsistent thing, even if it was a little bit painful to watch him not burn the bridge. I think that's what made it a difficult thing to see is, is he was holding back on the criticism of the tour, in part because I think he knows that there's going to be a coming together again. He didn't want to burn the guys who are part of the player council so on and so forth. So I, I just, all bets all bets are off on that front. What it means, though, is as you say, hey, Fenway Group is going to have a bunch of money in. The live guys and tour guys will get at least the top ones. There'll be some level of cross-playing rights. The PIF will be involved financially in some capacity. They don't need to own the whole thing because to your point, they want the exposure, they want the access. That's all they care about. It's not a business. And to that end, I have no idea how the Fenway Group are going to get their money out that they're investing in. Because if this is not actually a business in the way that the Saudis are are playing it, they're going to have to put a lot of guardrails on it to make sure that it becomes a business in the way that the tour will play it. I also have no idea how they're going to decide to divvy up equity ownership amongst the players in a way that doesn't get massively dilutive to the early guys through time. So look, the ROM signing was to head off at the past, the possibility that the Fenway group was going to do all this. Now we know PIF will be involved in some capacity. It's it's really the hard decisions that are left to make are how Fenway group gets their money out that they're investing and how they're going to divvy up this equity amongst the players such that it, the early guys don't get screwed. Let me stop you there. Why, why do they have to give the players equity? They, it can, just give them cash. It's like, it's like any normal sports league. 50 million bucks a year to LeBron. That that's enough. Like LeBron will ultimately have equity when he leaves. Why does he need equity? Why why do why is Rory McIlroy need equity right now? I think the golfers right now, if there's going to be investment coming in, you could pay them out. The question is, over time, would they be better off saying, "Fuck all these guys, we're going to go start a golf league that we own the equity in, and and fund it in a way that gives us long term wealth creation." It's the difference between being capital and labor. Sure. And I think a lot of these players believe that they should be capital and equity owners, not just paid via labor. Well, that to me is slightly hilarious because to you, the original point you made, I don't know how this thing, what, is it, what are its prospects to make money? How is this, how is professional golf rejoined, combined on television, on CBS and NBC and whatever other partners they get lined up? How's it going to make any money? Like, well, look at the eyeballs. Look at the year-over-year eyeballs on professional golf. It's a niche sport. But look, those guys are all smart. They've invested lots of money in lots of things that have been successful. Hey, I, I do think the injection of minds outside of Pontevedra is probably the most valuable part of this transaction. I love it. I love it. Let me ask you this, and then we're going to move on from the state of disunion. What do you think is the number one thing that matters to the Saudis, to the to the PIF, in terms of a deal point that has not yet been agreed to? That's been this this this. I mean, it's it's hard to call anything a sticking point because there's no scenario under which a six month deal of this magnitude, of this size, with valuations and everything that they had to go through, there was no chance it was going to get done. But what do you think is the number one thing that the Saudis are after? Um, when there's, when we're doing the, the post, uh, you know, deal breakdown, we're going to say, oh, that was the thing that they got that they were really keen on. I I think the whole thing to me seems to stem uh, from a desire to have access. Okay. And so it's going to be. So like live on TV, live on CBS, live on, or team golf on CBS, team golf on NBC. I don't think the Saudis care about the product very much. There may be some face saving around live, but I don't think they're banging the table arguing that team golf must be the thing. I think it's access for the highest uh, guys in the, (laughs) who run the PIF. 
the whole point of this was to get access to, he, he wanted a Augusta National membership. He wanted to be chairman of this thing because that then gets you exposure to all of the CEOs and all of the other businesses that the Saudis want to invest in and partner with to diversify away from an oil-based economy in a world that seems to be moving away in some in some capacity from oil-driven energy, right? That It's a smart strategy. It is. So what they care about is the perception of power, the perception of influence, and the access that comes with being the guy with the laminate around his neck that gets you into every single part of the facility and gets you in the room with the players, gets you in the room with the sponsors. That's what they want. That's what this entire strategy is about. So if they will fold on almost everything else if they get the access because as you said earlier, this is not a business. The golf part of this is not the business. The business part of this for them is the access. And and if you put to them that it'll cost you three and a half or four billion dollars or whatever the ultimate number is to land at the place that it seems likely they're going to land in the first part of 2024, I'm sure they would they would would has yes. you know they didn't hesitate and wouldn't hesitate. Stroke check. Yeah, you want they, the check? Let me stroke yes. it right now. They, they fart that money before breakfast. It's not it's not about the money. It is about the access because that is it is it is it's literally a, an issue of economic survival for that country. And so it, it, putting aside the human rights issues and you can't do that. But but from a pure business perspective, they are pursuing the absolute right strategy. This episode is brought to you by Evernorth Health Services. Costs shouldn't get in the way of life-changing care, and Evernorth is doing everything in their power to make that possible. Behavioral health solutions that also keep your projections at their best. It's possible. Pharmacy benefits that'll benefit your bottom line. It's possible. Complex specialty care that cares about your ROI. It's possible because they're already doing it. All while saving businesses billions, that's wonder made possible. Learn more at evernorth.com slash wonder. This episode is brought to you by eBay Motors. Passion, drive, and patience. The formula for winning championships is also what keeps your ride or die alive. eBay Motors has everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance. Superchargers, roof racks, exhaust kits, LED headlights, and more. Whether you're into speed, power, or style, eBay Motors has you covered. With over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, you will always find exactly what you're looking for. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back. Because with eBay Motors, you're burning rubber, not cash. With all the parts you need at the prices you want, it's easy to make your car the MVP and bring home huge wins keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com eligible items only exclusions apply okay picture this it's friday afternoon when a thought hits you i can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever or i can hop into my all-new hyundai santa fe and hit the road with available h-track all-wheel drive and three-row seating my whole family can head deep into the wild Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Speaking of pursuing the right strategy, let's go ahead and try and make some forecast projections. Let's get into the nuts and bolts of this upcoming 2024 season. We want to visit the majors we want to visit some of the rising stars on tour we want to visit some names that maybe folks haven't heard of yet that they will hear and 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 hear from let's start with the big names though and you know i'll try and and, and give you a couple yes and no questions that we can you know sort of move through quickly rory mcelroy does he win a major in 2024 no 
Wow. Why? Because he hasn't won a major since 2014. Okay. Now, you don't think that his uh, a deliberate, you know, removal of himself from the policy board and, you know, the commitment, the, the, the speculation wise, he's committed to his game. He needs to clear out all distraction. That's not a pathway to the conquering Roy McElroy. I don't think that that was at the core what was in the way from 2014 to 2020. Okay. I think, I think the core has been Rory, and I want him to. You know that. I'm going to be yeah. rooting like hell for him. It would be great for the game. I, I want to see it happen. I just, there is something, um, th- th- there, is, th- there is something, th- there's something tragic at the moment about this narrative for Rory stepping down. Whereas 18 months ago, we would have told you he was the complete leader of golf. There was just a, 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 an embarrassing betrayal that happened from the guy who stood up and put the tour on his back in so many ways from a, from a business and unification standpoint. And, uh, yes, all, all of that now aside, I think the sting is still there and, I, I suspect that the unification of golf is going to be emotionally and mentally as frustrating and difficult for Rory um, as as the, trying to keep it from falling apart was. I'm looking at the top 10 in the official world golf ranking, but really as a proxy just to, to pose this question to you. Of the following players, who wins a major first in 2024? Scotty. You, I can't include Rory because you said he's not winning one. Victor Hovland. I'm not going to say Patrick Cantlay. I am going to say Patrick Cantlay because yeah, what he did at the Ryder Cup. Xander Schauffele, Max Homa, Tom Kim. Yeah. My my answer on that one is, Zan, is, is uh, I want to talk about Xander. My answer to that question is Scotty Scheffler. Okay. Because I, I I believe that Scotty has every single tool in the bag, and I think that the putting is going to be way better than it was last season. And and again, I I think we have an all time goat standing right in front of us. That if he just inches his shots gained putting up, strokes gained putting up a, a, a notch, it, we're going to say, oh my God, the, the diamond was sitting there in front of us all the time. We forgot about what Scotty Scheffler had done. You know when he when he when he won the Masters. I do want to talk about Xander though, because I, I actually think this has to be the year for Xander or he mm. risks he risks being the eternal bridesmaid. You know, he had this, I'm not sure you can call it controversial, but somewhat controversial offseason with his dad's comments around the Ryder Cup and, you know, wanting to be paid. There's all the speculation. There was speculation about he and Patrick potentially jumping ship. Patrick Cantlay has obviously taken on a pretty serious leadership role with the tour at this point and I don't know, may kind of blocked out the haters. Uh, Xander, we're still not totally sure about, but he, he's got to step up and win something big. He's a seven-time winner on tour, including the tour championship. He won the Olympics, if that is really big, but nothing big, big, right? Scottish a- Open, not big enough? No, third in approach last season, fifth in putting, uh, but it's curiously the driver, where, where he's only 47th off the tee in, in shots gained, but... 131st in accuracy. And that's why he's only 137th in proximity to the hole. And so his putting being as good as it is, he's still not giving himself enough looks in those key moments to just get over the edge. Now, this is, again, this is a top five player in the world from my perspective, but this has got to be the year. He's going to have to figure out how to put that driver into the right places in the fairway because the rest of the game is there to win a major. And if not, you start to look around and see these budding stars coming up. See the guys who, you know, Brooks, Brooks coming back and winning the PGA. He's still there. Like you said, there's Rom. There's, there's all these guys who are going to bring their A game to every major. It feels like if Xander misses this one this year, you start to wonder if there's something in the way mentally of him getting over that hurdle. Wow. So we didn't talk about Victor Hovland, but if you had asked me that you question, would have said Victor. I would have said Victor. Yeah. Just because I see no ceiling to his game now. The yeah. only ceiling is like the vagaries of life. You're like, you know, whatever befalls him, the weeks of majors, you know, it, it, anything is possible 
in a game with with an, an ultimate number of uh an infinite and ultimate number of variables every single time you step on the first tee it's a new and exciting experience um especially when you're double digit handicap but for those guys as well you know calibrating and so forth he looked like the best player in the world all the way through the Ryder cup didn't he he sure did to that look that way to me and and the thing that was scary was the confidence um that that he displayed and it was a cool confidence it wasn't Nothing braggadocious. And yeah. I, I also took note, you were talking, uh, about John Rahm being careful to not, you know, burn a bridge on his way out. And what it made me think of, uh, in terms of, of tour leadership, Victor Hovland's like, yes, I'm staying because that live thing doesn't really interest me. But the dudes who run this thing stink at it. They are yeah. bad. And he, and I say, like, Oh, okay, Vic. Go yeah. ahead and have have your say, young man. Right? Yeah. yeah. So all of that to me suggests a kind of confidence, an innate confidence. Right? It's very very hard to argue with that. I I think the only the only reason the answer isn't Victor is if Scotty fixes the putting. If not, you you certainly come in to the start of this year thinking the last time these guys were all playing together, Victor Hovland was the best player in the world. Uh yes. It is inarguable. I just want to say very quickly on Xander, we will talk about our picks for Century. I love him uh, at Century this week. Um, but let's 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 keep uh, moving along here. Your ceiling as the number one Spieth truther. Your ceiling for Jordan Spieth in 2024. It's impossible to say. I've given up. I mean, th- these last 18 months have been the most confounding for the Spieth-Thomas combo. But Spieth specifically, the sky ought to be the limit for him. It felt like the game was turning and that he was getting into better places last year. He made, he, he made the run in Harbortown. He, he, you felt like Jordan was going to get himself back into contention, but then the game seemed to evaporate a little bit for a while. So I, I, I have to tell you, I know this is a non-answer and I'm copping out, but... I do not believe that Jordan Spieth, I wouldn't bet Jordan Spieth to win a major in, in, in 2024. I, okay. I think the, the game is not there. I would bet Jordan Spieth to win a golf tournament, yeah, which for sure. a while was very Fine. much in doubt. Yeah, okay. I, I, I can live with that. Let's go into kind of the rising star category. Last year around this time, you and I had a chat. We, we um, had a nice back and forth around the prospects for Tom Kim, I think this year is a little bit different because we have to take one player and set him aside for this discussion. We can't include Ludwig Hebert, Auberge. How does he want us to say it? Aubert. 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 We can't include Luddy in this discussion because he's too goddamn good. And I will tell you, I am hunting. I am hunting every single time I can find him at plus money in head-to-head tournament matchups. One of my favorite way of playing. Anytime he's going up against another player and he's at plus odds, I'm betting it. I'm blind betting Ludwig Aubert every single time because all he has to do is beat one guy for these matchups to cash. He's got all that game, Nate Dog. I'm just that's my conviction, buddy. I. He made 12 or 13 cuts that he played this year, four top tens. He, he goes and wins in Europe to secure the Ryder Cup position. All he does when he comes back is T2 at Sanderson, you know, T13, including a Sunday 62 in Vegas, T10 in Mexico, and then wins at the RSM by shooting 61-61 on the weekend. Bang, bang. And bang, bang. I, he took something from that Ryder Cup and validated Luke Donald's decision and probably swung the balance of power to Europe's side for the next decade in the process. I mean, he's 32nd in the world right now. He's unequivocally going to be a top 10 player by the end of the year. I, I, I Speaking of majors, I expect at least two top 10s in majors from him and a Sunday contention in one of those, for sure. He's first in total driving. He's 107th in approach, but he's second in greens and regulation and third in proximity to the hole. Contrast Monster. that Contrast that with what we just talked about in Xander's stats, who is really struggling with his proximity. I mean, I, if he's 42nd in putting today is, is Ludwig, and that's good enough to make him a killer. So you're right that this is unequivocally the next big guy. So and, we can't include him. 
head to head is the way to bet him. Yeah, head to head is the way I'm going to bet him. So for not including him, yeah. let's hear a name that you like um that that's not Ludwig Gobert that folks might not know. Yeah, I think there's I think there's a sort of two categories of guys to talk about. The first is guys coming up from KFT. Um, from the Corn Ferry Tour. And and Ben Coles checks the box for me. He he was first on the Corn Ferry Tour in points, but he came in and played the RSM at the end of last year and finished T5 with a Sunday mm-hmm. 63. And so that showed that he can hang. And yeah, I, I don't, it didn't feel like the class of guys on the Corn Ferry Tour this year was as strong as it has been in years past. But I do think that Ben Coles is is a guy to look at. The other guy to look at, and this is the guy that if you just go back to 30,000 feet, you got to get excited about, is Alejandro Tosti, the Argentinian maniac who was suspended by the Corn Ferry Tour for throwing absolute tantrums on the course, yelling at everyone. He is truly the biggest villain on tour since Patrick Reed. And oh. he, he finished third on the Corn Ferry Tour list despite his suspension. He played Mexico last year on the big tour and finished T10 with a Sunday 64. So he's got the game. But he, he the question is, did he learn anything from that suspension or is he going to come up and go bonkers? He is going to be the, the sort of black hat guy on tour, which we've been sort of sorely missing since a bunch of those guys jumped ship, haven't we? Yes, exactly right. Can't wait. Welcome aboard. Uh, it'll be interesting to see. We we don't have a ton of conduct penalties typically, right? We don't. The suspensions that we've seen no. have all, it seems, been um, drug related. If we're allowed to say that, um, yeah. but that that I'm I'm eager to see what the young man is capable of. I I have two names that I think folks have heard of, but I just think they fit the category of ready to make the leap. Could be more household names. Uh, Minwoo Lee, yeah. uh, the Australian, no who doubt. gets the ball five miles uh, down the golf course, had a top 10 at both the Players' Championship uh, and at the U.S. Open. Um, and he played, it, uh, he was with Scotty Scheffler in Sunday's final at the Players. Um, he finished 2023 with five consecutive top 15s. Um and I'm only mentioning that because he won two of the tournaments. Uh, he's inside the top 35 of the world. So you're going to see him with the metrics, with his with his youth and where he ended the year in terms of his world golf ranking. He's going to yeah. land inside of a lot of, you know, when you're trying to look at the attributes of guys who can win majors, he's going to check the box. Yeah, because well, on those, the Australian PGA finishes. to finish the season, he's, he's an absolute fan favorite. Definitely a guy to watch. Yeah, and then the other guy, uh, are, are, uh, coming back domestic, is Gordon Sargent, who could be the American Obear. Is 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 that am I? Is is that now sacrilege for me to to go in that yes, direction? Yes, it's sacrilege All only right. because I think the performance. There's only one Obear. The performance when we've seen him, he. You're right in that he hits the shit out of the ball. Yeah. Uh, it doesn't feel like the rest of the game is as developed. I mean, he was the low M at the U.S. Open, notwithstanding the fact that the 18th hole was broken and it bounced his golf ball backwards yes. out of it, even it though did. it went in the hole. It did. Um, he still managed to be low low, low M there. Uh, so we'll we, it, it's a it's a wait and see. We'll say yeah with, with Gordon Sarge. Yeah, okay. no, baby, I think it. But but uh, one of those guys who has a lot of promise. I, I want to see him alongside a few of the guys who played the fall but didn't have to house. Okay. And, and you know, Sahith Tagal is one of those guys who won a Napa. Everybody knows his name, but he missed out on the tour championship, did not have to play the fall because he finished 31st. And, uh, and still wanted to get that win and showed up in Napa, won the golf tournament. Will that give him that confidence to sort of break through? Because we've been talking about him for a while as maybe, in, in the same way we're talking about Gordon Sargent, right? He he was yeah. top top amateur coming out of Pepperdine. We kind of saw the game, just didn't see the wins. Did he get that confidence? Eric Cole, who I, it's hard to call him a, a, a second-year player because he's been playing the mini-tours forever. 
But he didn't get the win this fall, but he played a ton of the events. He had four top fives in the fall, went fourth, T35, T3, T2, T3. Other than a 62 in Vegas, his Sunday rounds while in contention have been kind of unremarkable. That's the only reason he hasn't won, but he's in the field this week in Kapalua, and this is a guy who he loves to play golf, and he's going to be out there. It'll be interesting to see if he sharpened uh, iron this fall uh, playing these events when he didn't have to. Well, and, and and he's in the field this week because he's in the field for all the signature events. That's the season that he had right. last year. He earned right. his way into the top 50. He's got uh, an auto pass for every one of these events, many of them without cut. So it's a great way for him at this stage of his career to build bank. The only other name that I want to um, call out, I have my eye on and will be somebody that shows up on my um, betting dance card a fair amount. He's committed to the PGA Tour um uh for a full season is Nikolai Hogard uh okay. the the Dane um he uh had a nice performance at at the Ryder Cup and he has a DP uh world tour in his in his back pocket from 2023 and he in his short um appearance on on tour uh Average proximity from 100 to 125 yards, like tops in the rankings, fifth in driving distance. So that's a good combo as you arrive yeah. on tour, ready to go ahead and take care of business. Yeah, he's a guy who, listen, he was fine in the Ryder Cup, but it was clear that Luke Donald was thinking ahead and trying to get him the exposure. And he you know, he didn't play incredible, but uh, it, 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 it sharpens the heck out of... Ludwig and you know there's a bunch of guys who come out of those experiences who go who go bonkers. Scheffler obviously had a bonkers season after going head to head with Rom at, at Whistling Straight. So uh, we'll see we'll see what it does for him. But I, I think that's a great name to keep an eye on. Um, let's go sort of deep Cinderella. One name from from each of us. We're talking about real young uh, guys that that folks probably have not heard of. There's one name. Uh, on my list, I'm going to steal f- for from you. I'll go first uh, on this front so that you have a chance because I, I I gave you a little heads up on what I wanted to to cover, but um, I think that we're going to see a lot of Pearson Cootie this year. Yep. That's um, where I would have gone. I oh, think well, you're right. Let's both make the case that <laughs> he was uh, on Corn Ferry Tour for all of about a minute. It was he, he honestly had kind of a Scheffler trajectory on the on the KFT. Um, you know, he won in his third start there, um, and then two more wins. So, you know, I, I, I think that, uh, he's a guy that will sort of keep, keep our eye on watch as he climbs up. He was top of the PGA tour used class in 2022, which gets him all of the, the exemptions and stuff. He's not in the signature events, but just a name of a guy who might earn his way. And this is. What I'm hoping for, because it's glass half full at the beginning of the year, Nate Dog, the meritocracy that's going to come from these events that are not signature events where guys like Pierce and Cootie can go play and perform very well and then go play and you know earn their way into the signature events, right? Yeah, I think it's a good call. I mean, his brother Parker got through and as well. And being a first-year guy on tour, he's played a lot of events. He He's played on sponsor exemptions before, but... Being a first-year guy on tour, he's only 23. In the middle of this kind of wacky season, it's going to be good to have a partner out there who he can travel with and who he can rely on. So I, I think uh, from a mental perspective, this is a guy who's not coming out of nowhere, doesn't know what it feels like to play on tour. The 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 uh, the buzz about him, it, it, hype is the wrong word because that sometimes implies it was overdone. The buzz about him was very, very hot. 18 months ago. He's played just okay since coming up and and pl- and playing on the big tour a few times. But I, I do think that having the c- card locked up, having the stability of having your brother out on tour with you is going to help him have a great year. Well, you have to start somewhere. And that this week, it is Hawaii at the Century. 59 players, no cut. And we are on the FanDuel Sportsbook. I'm so happy to be back. I have to tell you, it made it really warms my heart to be inside finishing positions on the FanDuel 
sports book looking at Does it warm your heart to see Nico Echevarria and Lee Hodges and Andrew Putnam in the century? I don't have to bet them. (laughs) Of course. Well, you might. You might, given the odds that are getting assigned to Scotty Scheffler and some of the top players. I mean, that's the thing about betting golf this season is you're going to have these tournaments where you're going to have the clustering of the best players all at the top with pretty uh, undesirable odds. And you're going to have to scroll through, aren't you, a little bit, House, to, down the down the board to find somebody that people are overlooking or, as we are wont to do, the hot guy, if you're paying attention, the guy who's getting hot and, and, and is probably a, a good top 20 bet. I'm so glad that you started with this because this is my only New Year's resolution as it relates to this show and my approach to gambling on professional golf. I will not, under any circumstances, I will not, I'll repeat myself, bet on any player, I don't care what the circumstances are, at less than 10 to 1 to win the golf tournament before the golf tournament commences. Okay. It is I, it just it does that there is no value whatsoever at yep. anything less than 10 to 1. I mean, Scotty Scheffler right now is plus 550, and Vic Hovland is 9 to 1. Congratulations. If you want to bet those guys at those numbers, go ahead and do it by all means. I'm not going to stop you. I'm not doing it, and I won't bet a single player at less than 10 to 1 at the beginning of a tournament. What I will do, what I will countenance, what I w- and I'll especially... Look for opportunities for guys of this caliber to start off slow. I'm live betting them. I will be betting between Friday and Saturday. I'll be betting between Thursday and Friday. Some of these guys, I'll be rooting for them to have bad starts, Mm. for them to come out of the gate slow so I can get a number that feels much better with a round in my back pocket and only three rounds left. That's the way that I'm going to play this. uh, Play the favorites this year, Nate Dog. I happy to hear it just for your own financial health because <laughs> or, or, but, yeah it's health just, my goodness yeah, well let's let's hope but if you look at this board there's some interesting movement right you suddenly have a guy like jordan spieth for a top 10 is plus 190 uh, there's like eight guys in front of him He's 22 to 1 to win the golf tournament. Now, that's a bet that I would consider. Not a huge amount, but if you look at from 2023 to 2015, Jordan Spieth has played this golf tournament five times. He has a win, a third, a ninth, a 13th, and a 21st. The 13th and the 21st are most recently. He finished 13th last year and and, and, uh, finished 21st in 2022. But his strokes gain number over the 20 rounds have him second only to Xander Shoffley in his performance uh, at this golf course. Strokes gain per round 2015 to 2023. That's our boy Ron Close PGA splits on the Twitter machine, the X machine. I mean, that's value. You got to take a look at Jordan Spieth, you know, notwithstanding whatever you might still have in your memory banks and, and, your mind's eye from uh, the Ryder Cup and and the way that his season performed that there there is some genuine value for a guy who's looking to start fresh, get off on the right foot, and has absolutely performed very well at this golf course. Nate Dog, there are only fifty nine guys in this field, right? So we've already had a cut down here. Let's yes. keep keep eyes on the prize. A top ten is is almost like a top 30 in terms of percentage of finishing in a, in a big event. So don't, don't get too carried away by these, by these numbers. There's not as many guys they got to beat. That's it. You look at you, you're, you're, you're doing the math. This is, this is the thing. Well, and this is why I am on Xander Shoffley. And I mentioned it earlier. He is number one in strokes gain total over this uh, relevant time period. He uh, didn't play last year. He had a 12th. He didn't play last year because he was hurt. I mean, he intended to play. He sh- I think he even did he show up and then not play. Uh, in, in any event, 12th in 2022, 5th in 21, 2nd in 20. He won in 2019 and in his debut, uh, 22nd. But 14 to 1 to win the golf tournament and very good odds for top five 
and and top ten if you believe that he is showing up in form. And I don't have any reason to not believe that. So I'm I'm putting uh, some confidence into Xander for this golf tournament, Nate. Okay, I don't hate it. I'm interested to see Morikawa. I think the odds are a little scary. I mean, he's minus 250 for a top 20. But I'm interested to see Morikawa. I mean, he had this tournament in his hands last year and collapsed. That's the only reason Rom won this one. It sent Rom on a stratospheric. He won the Amex. He he won three of the first seven events, for crying out loud. Uh, So it'll be weird to not have him there. But then Morikawa, he got that emotional win at the Zozo in the fall. Again, another guy who played the fall when he didn't have to. Got that win. Let's see if we have Colin Morikawa more than just a guy back in our lives. But in from from a betting perspective, I, I just keep going further down the board. I mean, Camilo Viegas. What a great story! 20, Amazing. He he kind of dominated the fall. He got a win. There's only fifty nine guys in this tournament. He's plus three sixty for a top twenty on Fanduel. Yeah. That's, that's- I, you know, probably the best guy in the fall. So I, I like that. I look, I, I'm blinking hard when I say this, but Tony Finau's plus 250 for a top 10. Well, our guy, um, so makes a great Tony. Pace. So he literally top 10, Tony. Uh, you just have to know maybe there is something. And I think Sobel makes the argument. Our buddy Jason Sobel from the Action Network and on, uh, XM Radio, the PGA Tour channel there, uh, I think nearly every day of the week. Um, he likes top 10, Tony, to win outright. And the, the number is in, in the 20s, I believe. Might be all the way up to near 30 uh, for, for, for Tony. But he thinks Sobel's uh, part of his thesis is that, uh, in addition to the fact that he's played well at, at this uh, golf course, um, the burden of announcing that he was staying with the tour to the extent that that was weighing on him, whether to stay or go, having that out of the picture could be a liberating kind of thing for, for top 10 Tony. Then he's doing a charity tournament there today uh, on the course to, in support of, you know, the responders and the, and the victims of the fight. There's a lot of good karma that should be flowing Tony Finau's way this week. Plus yes. 250 for a top 10. Come on. Yeah. Top ten, and, Tony, and I think he, I think he is right around thirty to one to 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 win outright. I only have, um, you know, kind of a, 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 one or two other names that I'm looking at. Um, I am going to play Tom Kim. He's only played this venue, this event mm. once. He finished fifth. Speaking but, of guys who played the fall and didn't have to, he defended yeah. his tournament in Vegas and looked yeah. pretty good. The only thing that concerns me is that his, his boy Joe Scourron bolted, kicked him in the rear end. Now, I think it was very amicable and friendly. Joe Scowron, the longtime caddy for Ricky Fowler, moved on to Tom Kim's bag by mutual decision between Ricky and Joe. And Joe did a very good job, it seems, this most recent season, helping Tom Kim navigate the vagaries of the PGA Tour. Joe got an opportunity to go be on Ludwig O'Bear's bag, and he gone. I mean, he did. There was no hesitation or reservation. Tom, he, 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 he's, so I don't know if that impacts Tom Kim's. Tom fortunes Kim is at the all. 11th player, ranked player in the world right now. Yeah. So Joe Skyron did his job, right? That's pretty wild. Pretty good. I think Joe Skyron did a good So Tom Kim will get a little on. And then your boy, Eric Cole. Why, why wouldn't we? You know, I, I you think we should. The, the stats for him, he's, he, 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 he's a dog out there. He's not going to, um, have any issue because of of the giant fairways there. Um, he's an iron and wedge specialist, and so distance is another thing that's going to hold him back. Maybe a tiny bit uh, in a top ten and top twenty kind of uh, yeah. way for Eric Cole. Yeah, he's plus one forty to top twenty. I want to see him play against these guys in this tournament and and, okay. and deliver. I, this is what we need. It, you know. The fall was not full of the best players all hunting. So I want to see, I want to see him do it. I, I, I don't, I don't mind him there. It, it's a little bit, I mean, look, it, it, you look further down the list. Mackenzie Hughes got into this because John, John Rom. 
Yeah. <laughs> so he's sitting there at plus 300. There's some guys sort of huddled in that space that you might take a look at again, just because there's so, you know, I mean, it, Scotty Scheffler to top 20 is minus 500. Get the Well, because it's 20 out of, out of 59. Exactly. Like, you know, exactly. We like the maths. Make the maths work. I would have liked better odds for Cole on a, on on a top on a top twenty, but look, just just to get him on a top ten, you know, he's plus four hundred, so that's not that's not too scary. I, I I'm with you. Another guy, just quiet. If you wanted to go a little bit of a of a sleeper mode, a guy you might not expect um, uh, has high numbers in terms of um, this this venue. He's only played it once, and he is either 10th or 11th in strokes gain. He finished third here last year. Tom Hoagie on the strokes gained um, yeah. per round list. Go ahead. Now, he 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 wants to have a little bit of a bounce back because he missed the tour championship his most re- recent year after finishing inside the top 10 in 2022. So that's another guy. Maybe like try just trying to channel some, some, some good vibes. Uh, and, you know, his strokes gained um, T to green. And his approach numbers are the, are the way for him to get um, the job done. Yeah, hovering there at plus three hundred for a top twenty. That's uh, that's what we're looking at, right? That's where you're gonna make your money, Nate. Dog, I think we made our money, buddy. That is a hell of a way to kick off the 2024 golf season. Is there any other parting shots? What do you, what, what are we gonna what do we have to look forward to this year out of the Nate Dog? Hopefully, you and I playing golf. Yeah, we're gonna do that for sure. Probably some new equipment. I know you you have a, a a wonderful opportunity to go explore some new equipment tomorrow from the fantastic Callaway Golf Company. So we're gonna uh, be able to compare some notes on, on on that. But yes, you and I will find each other's find our our way onto a golf course together in 2024. That's the best prediction of the year. My birdie buddies, my eagle enthusiasts, my par saving pals. We have done it. We tried to cover all the bases. We're back. This is it. Fairway rolling is officially, literally rolling in 2024. We can't wait to do this every week with you. Our thanks to our producer, Eduardo, and always to all of the guests that we have coming up in this upcoming season. Friends, family, extended acquaintances, maybe some players. We'll see how it goes. Until then, my birdie buddies, let's try and hit a trick.